Are we on? Good. If you'd like to prepare ahead, I'd like for you to turn to Luke 7, 11 through 17. That is going to be our main text today. And those of you that are younger that have a tendency to use technology, if you go to Bible Gateway, you can just type it in and it'll pull it right up for you. It's amazing how that works, those of you that know that. I want to thank David and Jeanette and their group for preparing us today through song. The fact that we have time mentioned in there, my sermon's on time today. The fact that hope is there is because we have a hope beyond all things. And the fact that Christ steps on holy ground, and when we're with him, we're on holy ground, those things kind of touch in inadvertently with today's sermon. And so, I am... Amazed always at God's working, as Chris talked about, and the love of the congregation that we always have. I want to share that this morning he shared in Bible school an appreciation for all of you, for your prayers, and for the cards and love that was given to him and his family. And I want to make sure that we share that because we are family and we do take care of one another. I also want to make mention that um, Miss Joyce was so good to me. She left you a whole blank page to take notes on today. So if you want to turn there, of course, I didn't provide you an outline. That's because I'm going to see if you can outline yourself. Uh, that does not mean draw yourself. Okay. Today's title is Arise. As you can see from the scripture, it's about the widow's son. In preparing for this this morning, I had some interesting discussion with my mom and my brother, Scott, who preaches every week. She sent me a text, I'm praying for both of you as you prepare today. I wasn't really going to start with this, but because it happened, I have to share it with you. And so my brother replies, what, Mark's preaching today? Like a question mark. And I'm like, no, I'm teaching math. I chose numbers as my main scripture, but then I thought about it and I thought, no, I'm going to go to Genesis because God taught his people to multiply there. So that's not the case. But it wouldn't be right if I didn't have a math joke or one. How many of you have heard this? Many of us have heard this at different times. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8 says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them in. A time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. And a time for war and a time for peace. Or perhaps this element of time. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Timing seems to be everything, and yet not. 
Each day, each one of us has appointed times set aside for us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, the plans to prosper you, not to harm you, the plans to give you hope and a future, from Jeremiah 29, 11. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 reads, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden for you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God's perfect timing is amazing. Will you pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. I praise you that your spirit has put your words into my mouth and may we know that it is your word that speaks. I ask that hearts will be open and spirits convicted as needed. But our Heavenly Father, your message, we know, must leave this place and be heard and shown beyond here. I ask your blessing, guidance, and wisdom in all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. As spoken a couple times already, last week was Sanctity of Life Sunday, and we did not have the opportunity to gather. I'm so glad the elders had the wisdom to say, let's just be safe, and we'll come back this week and gather. So it is good to see all of you. And although that weather was not conducive to recognizing that important day, I am daily reminded of the blessings God shares through lives saved and a choice for life. You see, because with this choice, what would life be in my household? No brother for a brother, no son for a mother, no hugs to receive or give, no difficult mornings to rise up and live, no games to cheer or console, no yelling at the video game down the hall, no conversations about plans that need bathed in prayer, no meeting different friends from everywhere. No blessings of a life shared. You see, the choice of life has its funny blessings and challenges. Today is blessed. Today is a day given to you. The time we are given is blessed by God and is provided with wisdom and love. Let's go to our scripture today. Please follow along as I share with you Luke 7, 11 through 17. I am reading from the NIV. Yes, that's correct. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was with her, and when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. 
A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. If you're a person that likes to do outlines, here's number one. God's timing is never wrong. God's timing is never wrong. You see, divine appointments may seem ordinary at first. Let's look at the setting again here at Nain. Christ is in the year of popularity. He is going through the countryside. He has just left Capernaum because through faith, the centurion's daughter was healed. And he approaches a town called Nain. Now, I didn't know what Nain stood for, so I looked it up. It means green pastures and lovely. And yet, the setting and timing isn't the happiest, is it? Soon afterward, means shortly thereafter, the centurion, as they traveled, Jesus went to the town called Nain. Didn't say he deviated anywhere else. He said that's where he went. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. What have they seen prior to this? They've heard blessings. They've heard Christ speak. They've been talking about this centurion's daughter. They've seen people questioning him. They've seen him heal people. The discussions of water turned into wine, perhaps it's still on their breath. And as they walk along, they are joyful. So here comes this crowd walking through this way. Joyful, exuberant, happy to be with the Christ. And then we see coming out of the town gate, another crowd. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. That crowd is of a different mix. That crowd is of mourning. That crowd is of downtrodden. That crowd is not joyful. And when we look more deeply, they're trying to show their support for one woman, a widow. Now those of us that know a little bit of history of widows in that time and era, we know from Ruth that widows would have to go out and glean in the fields for survival or wait on gifts from those that were kind, like Boaz, to them. But not always would that happen. And in this instance, she had had a son who possibly was old enough to take care of her. We don't really know, a young man. And in that case, she would be known by that young man and his work ethic, and he could take care of her. She has lost Everything. We don't know to what role he was, but we do know this. He was her only son. Perhaps her only child, the way it reads, and a couple others. And so the setting and timing of these two crowds coming together are a collision course for God's 
perfect timing. Here's one thing I want us to note. Verse 13. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. Doesn't say anybody in the crowd. It says when the Lord. See, I want to remind you that God is constantly in search of hearts for God. The Old Testament says that he goes throughout the country looking at men's hearts to see hearts for God. Matter of fact, he says David had a heart for God. But he sees the widow's heart. What might he see in that widow's heart? Great sorrow, great fear, a loss of direction, hopeless. And yet our songs were about hope, timing, how perfect. What was she praying for? Was she praying for just how am I going to survive? Show me, Lord, God. Was she so wrought within her weeping that she couldn't even see that? She had already experienced being a widow. She was without her soulmate that God had provided her, and now she loses her son of great depths, I'm sure, her sorrow was. Hopeless. And yet the Lord sees her, and his heart went out to her. And he says to her, two words, don't cry. Don't cry. So if divine appointments seem ordinary at first, on a daily activity, walking, we may run across a funeral procession. In that day, it wouldn't be uncommon to go to a city, and maybe once in that day or a few days, you would see a funeral procession. It wouldn't be uncommon. It would be ordinary. That would be part of life in the city. But in this case... The words spoken begin to change the picture. Have faith that the words you speak or the actions you take were meant for this divine appointment. Don't cry, Christ's words. I'm sure they were said in love because she needed it. I'm sure they were expressed in such a way that her spirit is riled up with curiosity. I'm sure from her downtrodden face, she now looks up to see who would say that to me. Some man leading a group comes up to me and says that. But there's something about his voice. The next thing I want to point out within God's timing is never wrong, is that then he went up and touched the coffin. Now, when you carry a dead body in that day, it sits on a framework similar to what we use today, except for today we have wheels and those kind of things. Back in that day, you'd have to put it on your shoulder and carry it. It's called a beer. And it's a framework of wood. 
doesn't have any particular shape, but it's got to be strong enough to carry that body. And if it's carrying the body and I'm someone that goes up and touches it, then in Jewish custom, I kind of am pushing that envelope of being unclean. And yet the man that's holy doesn't withhold his touch. So his actions reinforce his words, as we'll see more. So God's timing's never wrong. That's the first thing. Second thing, God's call is real. God's call is real. So not only do we have the setting of sadness and hopelessness within this widow and the family and those that see it and that come out, but God's call is real. He says, don't cry. He went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood stood still. Something's about to happen. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. When I was researching this, I looked at the two words, get up, in the Greek. And the two words in the Greek come back as one. Arise. Arise. Now to me, that's a command. Arise. There's a song I've heard. It's called Arise, My Love. Wonderful song. Can't remember the group offhand, but some of you probably know. And it's beautiful because it talks about Christ arising. But it talks about God calling him to arise. I think it's the newsboys now that I think about it. So, he says the call to arise. Where is this arise heard? It's heard by all those around. The group that's following Christ that's joyful, the group that's mournful following the widow. Arise! Now wait a minute. This kid's been dead a couple days. He's been prepared. They're heading to the cemetery. And yet someone comes up and touches the beer, the coffin, and says, Arise! And all are standing still. Matter of fact, I think the crowd that's with Christ and the crowd that's with the widow, all eyes are on Christ. Because it's not ordinary to do that. What about Christ's call? It can be heard beyond death's door. Why do we know that? Because the boy's spirit or the young man's spirit comes back to him and he sits up and starts talking. Arise. It brings life, right? God's call does that's real it can be heard beyond death's door and what is the result of listening to Christ's call praiseworthy praiseworthy the dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother they were all filled with awe and praise God Now, many times when I study to prepare, I can't help but every now and then start to sing. 
when I read God's word. I'm sure many of you are that way too. When you read God's word, it can't help but just bring you joy to your soul. Vice versa, I would think at times when Jeanette and David are preparing as they work on songs, scripture comes to mind. Because they are worshipful moments of my soul for that which is praiseworthy and awesome. The only thing, God. And yet here is a moment in time that is praiseworthy brought at an intersection of time. An intersection meant to be because God's timing is never wrong and God's call is real. Well, what's that leave us kind of with? That God's plan is fulfilling. So the third element is God's plan is fulfilling. And this is it. In that day, those were seeking a Christ, a leader that would uproot the Roman rule. But as we spoke about in Bible school this morning, that's not necessarily what it was going to be. Those of you that know the history. Christ was coming to change things. Yes, he was. But it was to change for salvation of our souls beyond just the daily rule. Those seeking God hear of him in the present. They were filled with awe and praised God. And they said, a great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. Their perspective on things was Great things are going to happen. We're going to get underneath, out from underneath this Roman rule. They didn't quite understand that it was sin's rule that they were going to get under, out from underneath. You see, because when sin came into the world, that's when death came. That's when sorrow came. That's when tears came. When we reach heaven, none of those will be there. And neither will time. Those foretelling of Christ were confirming his coming as well. If we look ahead at a piece I didn't share with you, verse 18 reads, John's disciples told him about all these things. You see, earlier some of John's disciples had left John to follow the Christ. And so they are in this crowd. They are seeing things happen. What are they seeing happen? Well, let's go on a little bit more. And John sends the Mac to the Lord, and he says, Are you the one who has come, or should we expect someone else? And when the men come to Jesus and say, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sickness, evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is preached to the poor. 
The foretelling of Christ is confirmed. Those of us that looked at John the Baptist, he even identified, look, there goes the Lamb of God. By following the life of Christ, we're also given the plan of salvation. This story is only found in Luke. Only. But it's unique in that it shows that salvation is only found through Christ. The ability to beat death is only found through Christ. Can you hear him calling? Can you accept that call? Can you share him with someone that's lost? Because God's timing is perfect. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Time has no influence on him because he's the guy that made time. God created the heavens and the earth. And when he created the heavens and the earth, he put the sun and the moon and the stars and everything in its place. He created day and night where time started. He controls time. Matter of fact, the history of the Old Testament shows us where he held time. Well, if the guy that can hold time, guy, God can hold time, then he always has perfect time. It's interesting to think about that in different ways. What is perfect time? What is the perfect time? When you watch a ball game of some kind and you see that perfect pass thrown across the middle for a touchdown, or when you watch basketball and you see a perfect pass that leads to a completion, or when you see a student completing work ahead of time that allows opportunity of the best possible grade, or when you see the time that you put in to work that is blessed, kind of seems like perfect time. But maybe it's not the perfect time we're talking about. You see, the perfect time we're talking about is the time with God. That's the perfect time, which there is none. We live as just a moment, a mist, don't we? Where tomorrow will be gone. But God... Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we live in the moment. What is the perfect time? What time will it be that's perfect? Some might say when Christ comes back, the end of time is the perfect time. For some, that won't be the perfect time. It'll be too late. I tell you, now is the perfect time. When you look at salvation, now is the time. When I go to Acts 2, 38, and I look at how Peter spoke to the people, and their hearts were pricked to the point they asked, What then shall we do? And he said, repent 
and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord will call. The time is now. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Time doesn't matter to him. Time matters to us. We're caught up in time. Do I have enough time to get this done? Now's the time. Do you know someone that needs Christ? Now's the time. Share it with them. Are you someone that needs Christ? Now's the time. Come forward. Let's talk. Now's the time. Remember, God's timing's never wrong. God's call is real. And God's plan is fulfilling. My household could be a household with all those things I said before. But it's not. It's blessings. It's challenges. But it's more blessings than challenges when I think about it. Because God's timing is perfect. Will you share with someone this week? If you need the Lord Jesus Christ, will you come forward? And Jeanette's going to come up and play and David's going to lead. It is time. The time is now. Arise. Arise. And let's sing.